Salutations, dearest Fujidanshis. Did you miss me? This is actually the third time that I'm trying to do this. I'm in the middle of a full-fledged crisis, which is legit. It does happen sometimes. But we're trying to be responsible adults here. So let's wrap this up. Let's take the result home. And let's get over with it, because I'm exhausted. So, on a lighter note, did Easter break treat you well? It did certainly treat me fairly well, let's say. Um, not that we have much going on around us at the moment, to be honest, but I do always appreciate a valid excuse for my laziness. I'm not gonna lie. Why should I lie? We are all honest here. But enough with the chit-chat and let's get this ship sailing. No pun intended. Um, in last week's episode, we talked about how we never learned to never let good looks and appearances fool us. Well, today, we're gonna see how sometimes we shouldn't judge a person too soon, because hey, they might have some nice surprises in store for us. Of course, of course, that doesn't mean we shouldn't make them feel guilty, and I said shouldn't. So, you want your vengeance? Have your vengeance. But, yeah. Maybe a second chance is not a bad idea after all. Of course, they treated you like garbage and of course you have all your rights to be mad, but maybe they did have a reason at the time. So let's explore that. And um, as per usual now, disclaimer, we have to do it after all. So this content is intended for mature audiences only. It can contain sexual references, strong language and mention of violence. Listener discretion is of course advised. Now, Jesus, take the wheel, because we have a lot of juicy stuff to explore today. Or at least, we're gonna try. As I said, it's my third time doing this. I'm exhausted. <sighs> so I was saying, I'm not ready for this. But why am I here then? Because I love it, of course. So, without further ado, for your ears, the light only. DMB, Season 1, Episode 3. From Haunted by Desire to Painter of the Night, a.k.a. How We Can't Get Enough of Historical Drama. And now, a little bit of a moment. The moment that I know you've all been waiting for. The jingle. And this is the moment where the jingle should be. Jingle, jingle, jingle. Oh, this jingle. It's amazing. Best thing in the world. <gasps> and I cannot sing to save my life. So, three, two, one. A round of applause, ladies and gentlemen, to myself. Getting more and more ridiculous each time. But most of all, a round of applause to you all, who have survived this agony for the third time. You're mostly welcome. Now I see you, I can all feel you from here. From this very uncomfortable position I'm in at the moment. From this very uncomfortable chair. I know you've all been waiting for Painter of the Night, but... As my ancestors used to say, we should always save the best for last. Innit? And also... On a tiny bit of a side note, Painter of the Night has more than double the chapters of Haunted by Desire, so let me start with the easy stuff, okay? And bear in mind, just because I'm saying it's easier to talk about, that doesn't mean in any way it's less beautiful. On the contrary, I find both the story and the artwork very intriguing, especially in the way the author draws the characters in order to underline the difference. But, I think I'm getting a bit too far ahead at the moment, so let's start with the plot and then let's contextualize, as per usual, shall we? So, Haunted by Desire, by Penguin, as we were saying, is the depiction of the tormented love story between two young adults, Jo Sung Jae and Hong Dui, in the specific details, 
mutually in love with each other, yet never able to express their feelings to one another, Sungjae starts spending passionate nights with a ghost that looks exactly like Doei, and because of that, his health starts to deteriorate, quite steadily, I would say. Now concerned for his ailing friend, Doei offers to help him escape his nightmares, and as you can imagine, it's a feat no ordinary man could accomplish, but Shurazel Doei is no ordinary man. He has a secret, that's right, he has a secret that accompanies him from his birth, a secret that could be the key to save his beloved Seungjae, or destroy them both. Ooh. And what could this secret be, you wonder? Well, simply enough, it's about the fact that Doe's mother conceived him with the ghost of her former lover. Yep, and not with the man t that to the eyes of society is and should be the father. <clears throat> so, I'd say it is a pretty big secret. And on top of that, because of this very peculiar trait, he was always able to see and speak with ghosts and spirits. And also because of that, he might have been the person to send the lovemaking slash tormenting ghost to Seungjae, solely based on his conviction that Seungjae would never have loved him. Oops. Of course, being the one who caused the whole mess, he's also the one who can solve the matter, but alas, spirits and evil ones, to boot, because, I mean, these are no spirits you wanna, you would want to find in your house. No, we're not talking about fairies and pixies here, we're talking about deep shit from the underworld. So, they are no jokes indeed, and getting out of this huge trouble will be anything but easy. Now, I do have a question for you, Doe, my boy. Was it so hard to tell Seungjae that you wanted him to hop on your deep? Really, Doe? So, let me get this straight. Confessing your feelings is a huge obstacle, yeah? But sending a ghost look-alike to rape your crush slash childhood friend every night is fine? Um, I'm a bit confused. I don't know, you guys, I'm a bit confused here. Well, to be fair, I do get that it wasn't easy. I mean, it's not easy to this day, but especially in the old times, it wasn't easy to make such a confession without thinking about the aftermath it would have had on your family, on yourself, on the person you were confessing. Two, especially if the family was of a higher or, or a noble social class. I do get all of that. However, in this particular case, considering that the confession does indeed happen, and an actual... As per usual, I get tongue twisted, guys. But, I mean, we're on episode 3. You know the drill. Stay with me. I mean, it is my charm after all. I'm Italian. I get tongue twisted all the time. Let's have fun. Let's laugh about it, shall we? So, as I was saying, considering that an actual relationship between the two of them uh, becomes a real thing pretty quick, I don't get the reason why though we had to make all that chaos and getting the spirits angry and full of desires for vengeance. I mean, why? Why? It, it would have been much easier. I mean, yeah, of course, if it didn't happen, we wouldn't have had the story. But still, I don't get it. My brain, it doesn't function like that. Okay. And, yeah, if I'm not gonna get a happy ending solely because of Doe's cowardice, I'll be mad. I'll be real mad and I'll sue Doe. I mean, Seungjae is the fluffiest cinnamon roll ever. He does deserve all the happiness in the world. And we all should keep that in mind. So, now that I got this out of my chest, we can carry on. Okay? 
Well, actually, there isn't that much more to say about the story so far. I mean, we're only 23 chapters ahead in the story. Uh, at the moment, we're stuck to the point where all the steamy, sweaty action is happening and our favorite half-ghost always trying to find a way to entangle that bundle of night terrors that he created with his own two hands. Uh, on the side, they are waiting to do their national exam or something like that. I'm not really an expert, but it seems like a pretty major thing in the Joseon Dynasty Korea, so... I guess that adds up on the stress. So now, before we wrap up this first part and get to the juice we've all been waiting for, I just wanted to say a few words about how I'm living. And I want to underline that, living for the artwork and the author's choice of differentiating, and as per usual, your favorite person here. It wants, she wants to try very hard to talk complicated, but she doesn't know how to do that. As I was saying, the author's choice of differentiating the colors palettes between all the characters, and in particular, of course, between our two protagonists. But let me explain that a bit so you can understand what I'm actually talking about. So on one hand, we have all these delicate colors with a large use of peachy and pink tones, which I love. And it's basically as if you were looking at an infinite flower fields, and then on a diametrically opposed side we have the bunch formed by Dowie and the ghost that are all depicted in these like very dark, very grey colours and I just love the contrast, I love the difference I mean, it gives so much more to the story than another choice would actually have but yeah, so if we got Sion Jay on one side, he's all pink and glowy as a peach like He's the glowiest thing in the whole work. And then we've got Dowie, who is always coloured in greys and wash whites with these two profound under-eye bags. And it looks like as if one is going on with his life, is like blossoming and living, the other one is washing away and disappearing. And I do want to add up on that, despite his appearance and his tendency to cause troubles from the underworld, like Dowie is actually one of the most caring partners and one of the gentlest souls I've ever encountered in a BL comic. And believe me when I say, it is a rare sight. Like, caring partners? When? What? We don't know about them. So that's why I'm really, really praying, body and soul, that they're gonna live happily ever after. They do deserve it. Despite all that happened, they do deserve a happy ending, so let's pray it's gonna happen. Because, yeah, I want that. Now, deep, deep breath in, fasten your seatbelts. I'm getting too emotional now. So, this is the moment where I should start with the plot of Painter of the Night, as per usual, and quench your thirst for the moment's favourite work. But, alas, I'd like to start on a different note, if you will. You know me here. You know I always try to leave out spoilers and such. This time, it'll probably be the only time I want. Don't get angry at me. I cannot. I'm sorry. I am too invested at this time. I'm sorry. <laughs> you can probably feel it from my, from my voice. I am extremely invested on that. So, chapter 74 just came out for whoever's reading, and I'm shook. I've been shook to the core. I cannot contain my excitement. It's too much. I'm sorry. So, on this little note here, Let's read Nakium's monologue and let's pray baby Jesus, my head won't explode, okay? So, from Nakium's very own words. Master Yun has changed. Since that night, he hasn't said anything awful. He doesn't even call me to his chambers at night, 
Instead, he comes to dine with me, for every meal. From time to time, he brings me treats and smoke a pipe, and at times, he'll come to visit me, only to sit by my side and gaze at me, and every once in a while, he'll give me a kiss, nothing more, before leaving. Mic drop. I don't even know what to say. I'm on the verge of a breaking down. Another one, as I've been already on this date, like too many a times. <laughs> this is too much. I mean, the 180 Seungwa has done, the development, the growth, like knowing how it all started, who would ever thought such a change would happen? Because I didn't, I didn't. Okay, let's get my dignity back a bit. Okay. <clears throat> For those of you who are looking at the screen without a fucking clue of what I'm talking about, I would say, let's contextualize a bit. I mean, I would say each and every one of you is reading it, but whatever. We don't exclude no one, so let's plot a bit. So, we're talking about Painter of the Night here, the steamiest story your heart could desire. And if on top of that you are a sucker for historical settings, a bit of angst, and a lot of tears and drool, then why the fuck are you still here? Go and read it. You can find it anywhere. Go! You'll not regret it. Anyway, the story follows the event of Nakum, a young painter with an exceptional talent for creating erotic images of men, and Sungo, a young nobleman with a taste for same-sex intercourse. Though Nakum has always published under a pseudonym, Seungo manages to find him and forces him to become his private painter. Yeah, that's how it all started. Mm-hmm, okay. However, we need to remember that our Seungo here is notorious for his insatiable lust, and probably for his huge dick as well, I mean, we're talking disproportionate stuff, and Nakum's role, as you could imagine, won't only be one of an anonymous painter in the background of those private chambers at night. <laughs> And thank God, I would say, because now it is impossible to imagine my life without their fire sex intercourse scenes. I cannot live without them anymore. I'm sorry, call me a pervert. Maybe I am one. What can I say? However, because we are intellectually honest in here and we swear to tell the truth and only the truth, I do find the urge to explain why I was so excited for Seungu's complete change of route here. See, when it all started, our favourite dickhead here was pretty abusive towards our little Nakum. Not only he was humiliating him on a daily basis and taking advantage of his weaknesses and his secret unrequited love for a professor so he could force him to stay there at his palace. When at a certain point of the story Nakum is kidnapped by order of Seongu's former lover, who is a scumbag as well, if you didn't realise, just in case you didn't know, so when our poor baby manages to get back, it takes a lot, and let me say a lot, for Seungo to believe that he never tried to run away from him and it was all a plot from another person. So, yeah. The fact that now they're all lovey-dovey and Seungo seemed the gentlest guy on the planet makes me a happy duck, for sure, but it will take a long time for me to forgive his inexcusable. Haha. <laughs> As per usual, tongue-twisting, don't we love it? As I was saying, is inexcusable behaviour. Yes, because he is inexcusable. I always feel so torn apart on this, because while the sex scenes are drawn spectacularly, and let's say it one more time, the sex scenes are spectacular. But up until now, 
All those scenes were a lethal mix of violence, abuse, and mood swings. And as previously mentioned on episode 2, do we condone violence here? Absolutely not. And abusive people should be round up and shot at dawn. And that was very violent to say, but nonetheless, I do firmly believe that. Anyway, I'm pretty sure our Songo here comes from a pretty traumatic past himself. I mean, we had a glimpse on that in chapter 74, and we're all waiting to explore that a bit further more on the next chapters. So I am very, very curious to see why he behaves like that and what happened for him to become the beast that he was <laughs> that he was up until four chapters ago. I am just hoping that our turtle dogs will have a bit of peace at least for now. So please, I'm talking to you, former lovers, sisters, professors and all of you shady motherfuckers in the background of the story, get the fuck out of here. We only want lovey-dovey actions at the moment. At least for five chapters, guys, then you can then you can all come back, but for now, just stay where the fuck you are. We're not missing you, okay? Now, before we wrap this up, I would love to spend a couple of words on the art style and aesthetic because it is unreal. Let me tell you guys, Painter of the Night's aesthetic is unreal. You all know by now that it's set in the Joseon Dynasty, of course, but it should just see the detailing of the clothing, for instance. I am living for it. It is so good, it makes you feel like you've always been familiar with that kind of attire, and let me tell you, I had no idea of how they were made before. Now, I'm an expert. I can tell you all about Joseon Dynasty's clothing and the likes, okay? But what I like, above all, is the choice of brushes and papers. Like, the whole webtoon is drawn as if it were a handprint of the, like, a handprint from that time in the past. Like, I just cannot imagine the amount of energy, of study, like, to make it all happen, like, the work the author has to do on a daily basis to deliver that kind of content, like, it's unreal. It's unreal. I am starstruck, because I am a lazy person, I don't possess that kind of te technique whatsoever, like, kudos to that, it is amazing. It is amazing. I've never seen anything like that, or, or if I've seen it, it's been very rare, so... Like, let's all appreciate that, because it's a lot of work. And it's all for us, guys. It's all for us to consume and to read and to enjoy. So we have to praise that, okay? So, in conclusion, let's go back to where it all began. Historical dramas. Why can't we get enough of them? I mean, it's the top notch for me. It's the fact that men were wearing skirts, and I do always appreciate a burly man in feminine clothing. But all jokes aside... <clears throat> Let's get a bit more serious here. I guess, why do we love historical dramas? For me, it's a hidden nostalgia for eras we never got to live in, but where everything looked simpler, better, why not? Even happier sometimes. It's that longing at the back of your head, when when you're reading something unfamiliar, yet you feel like you're exactly in the right place at the right time. Eras of the past are, after all, full of myths, legends, magic, <laughs> and what all those things do to the collective imagination, they do open the possibility that instead of waiting for a hero, you could have been the hero yourself. I mean, that's pretty dope, I'm just putting it out there. Now before I forget, I just want to remind you that these are only two of the whole lot of historical comics that we have out there. For my own personal preference and the shortness of time that I had to like research and stuff, I did 
choose to analyze the two that I've talked about because I'm a bit more familiar with them. But just to mention a few, we got Momo and Manji. It's a Japanese one, which I recently discovered and I wish I discovered it like way before because it's incredible. And I can say it is a unique story in the whole genre. It's unbelievable. If you have the occasion, read it because it is worth the whole thing. And then we have, on another hand, we got a Korean one, Princess Princess, of which I still have the paper version at my grandparents' house somewhere. And I think it was my first ever purchased yaoi ever. I think I was 14 at the time. And it's the first story I read about cross-dressing. I mean, at the time, I was talked to it. It was like, it was so new. It was unbelievable to me. And I think to this day, it's still one of my favorites. No doubt, no questions about that. I love it. I would reread it anytime. And uh, let me assure you, like all of these historical comics and webtoons, they are a bit hidden from the whole bunch, but they're all there and they're waiting to be discovered because they are incredible. And I would say, ladies and gents and all of them in between, this marks the end of DMB episode 3. We made it! We made it to the end, guys! And 10 minutes shorter than the other time. I'm getting better at this. Mm -hmm. Shoulder pad. I'm, I'm getting better! So, DMB episode 3. An episode which I must say I was so happy to make. And I hope you can feel it from my voice. I hope I delivered in a decent way at least. And I hope I have interest you, interested you the same way I was interested and I was captivated while reading these works and as per usual I hope you had a good time with me today I hope I picked your curiosity about historical dramas even just a little bit and if you knew about it already I hope this chit chat was pleasant as per usual I always love when people enjoy my company and I hope you survived the jingle yet again and what can I say? Thank you so much for staying with me until the end. Have a lovely day, whether it's starting, finishing, or in between. Whoever goes to the pub, please have a drink for me as well, because I really need it. And, oh, before we really wrap this up, I want to just say, I know I sounded really, really angry at the beginning. I mean, it's not that it's past. And I always try to be bubbly and fun here because we're here to have fun and to talk about stuff that we like. But shitty days can happen and they are valid. And the whole spectrum of emotion, it is valid as well. If it shows up sometimes, we have to give in, to hug it. And yeah, it's just a shitty day in a lifetime. It's not a shitty lifetime. So it'll pass. And I hope... I didn't scare you too much. I don't think so. We got up pretty pretty well pretty quick. But anyway, just embrace your emotions, embrace your fears. They are valid and yeah. Just know you have you always have someone to talk about just in case. So yeah. Have a good one and I will see you next Wednesday. Bye.